0: welcome to the relationship church podcast this is our midweek service where we dive deeper into the word of god studying the bible together as a body we invite you to grab your bibles open your minds and prepare to search the scriptures with us we are relationship church the whole life church
1: Uh, We're going to be spending the vast majority of our time tonight in the book of James, the first chapter. Uh, If you want to just go ahead and open your Bible to uh, the book of James, the first chapter, uh, we will be spending the vast majority of our time there. Um, We're going to talk tonight um, from the simple topic of developing faith through failures and doubts. Developing faith through failures and doubts. That is going to be the um, the focus of our lesson tonight as we look in the book of James. Um, and so I want to start actually by reading the, uh, reading in James. Uh, we're going to start reading with verse number two. We're going to read verses two, three, and four, uh, but we're going to move our way uh, further down. But I just want to stop there for now. Verse two says, My brothers, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Read it again. It says, my brothers, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Uh, I'm going to read it again, but this time I want to read it from... um, A different version here for you still the same verses though james one uh verse number two we're going to read it from the uh new american standard and it says consider it all joy my brothers when you encounter various trials knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance and let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete lacking in nothing um also just want to mention too uh, quickly before we get started that we are definitely uh, praying and, and keeping in our, our prayers uh, and thoughts if there's anything, you know, any way we can make a difference. Uh, all of the victims from the, the victims in the family from the elementary school shooting yesterday, uh, it's just some very perilous times that we live in. Uh, like the scripture, you know, tells us that we would be in, but it just unfortunately, doesn't really make it much easier when you're talking about uh, these types of things. So we wanna make sure that we are continuing to keep uh, those families, that situation, and just the uh, spirit of what's been going on uh, with different shootings, uh, period. We wanna make sure that we are just keeping those things in our hearts, in our prayers, and seeking the Lord uh, with regards to um, just those issues and, and, and the things that are going on there and we will continue to uh continue to do that um uh so we're gonna read it again this time we're gonna read it in the new living translation it says dear brothers and sisters when troubles of any kind come your way consider it an opportunity for great joy for you know that when your faith is tested your endurance has a chance to grow when you when your says when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete needing nothing. Okay. Um, so again, and we're going to talk tonight for the time that we're here together from the topic of developing faith through our failures and doubts, through our failures and doubts. And we don't really think of faith. A lot of times we think of faith as being, um, something that grows uh, through success and through victory, Uh, but we can allow our faith to grow uh, even through our failures and doubts. And sometimes uh, we can actually learn more about God and learn more about ourselves and and grow more from failures than we do from success. Uh, Randy Alcorn uh, made a statement, preacher made a statement. He said, faith that cannot be shaken is a faith that has been shaken. Faith that cannot be shaken is a faith that has been shaken. Um, and I don't know about you, but I know that to be truth, truthful. Uh, in order to have a faith that's unshakable, you have to have a faith that has been shaken. Um, I, I heard an example years ago of, you know, I don't trust a rubber band that's never been stretched because a rubber band that's never been stretched it dry rots, right? And so when you go to stretch a rubber band that hasn't been stretched then it snaps on you. So in order to develop an unshakable faith, we have to go through some things that sometimes shake our faith. Um, And so the book of James here, he talks about faith and letting our faith grow and our endurance, as he calls it, our patience grow uh, through our trials, through the things that we're going to through. Uh, The book of James particularly uh, is what we call a letter of general applicability. So this wasn't something that was like written to the church at Corinth or it wasn't written to uh, the church in Rome. Uh, This was a letter that was written for general uh, uh, for general applicability to the body of Christ. And the reason that that's important, it's not that other books of the Bible are not important, but what we have to realize with a book of general applicability is that he was writing uh, some things that are just generally applicable. He wasn't addressing any issues in the church. You know, sometimes the things in Romans, he was addressing a particular issue in the church. In Ephesians, he was addressing uh, issues in the church at Ephesus or, or the church in Corinth in 1st and 2nd Corinthians. But this book, is a book uh, that was written literally to uh, for what we call general applicability. So James, books like Jude, Second Peter, because uh, First Peter actually was written to a group of churches. But uh, I'm sorry, First Peter was actually written to a group of churches. Uh, but Second Peter is what we call again a book of general applicability. Uh, wasn't uh, like for instance First Peter, he was writing it to a particular group of churches, not just general. Uh, not for just general dissemination. Uh, it was for a group of churches. Interesting thing about the book of James is the book of James is actually the earliest of the New Testament books written. It was the first book written, not the gospels as we have them number, but the book of James was actually the, the first book uh, that we actually see written. It was written somewhere around uh, 45 AD in there somewhere. Um, and it's the first book uh, of the New Testament. Uh, And the whole point of the entire book of uh, of James is that genuine faith will produce real changes in a person's conduct and character. He's talking about genuine faith and how genuine faith will actually produce real changes in a person's conduct and character. So faith changes. and, And what we have to realize about what faith is, the scripture tells us that faith is the substance of things hoped for. Uh, So it almost seems like that doesn't make sense because substance is something I can hold in my hand. Something hoped for is something that I don't yet have. But it said, but faith is what brings or what shortens the distance between what I'm hoping for and what I've received. Faith is that link between uh, uh, what I'm believing for and what I actually already have in my life. So in a sense, faith allows me to act as though I have something that I'm still waiting for. Faith allows me, uh, because faith comes by hearing, it says, and hearing by the word of God. So we know that in the beginning, uh, the Bible says that uh, the Lord said, let there be light, and there was light. He said, let the, let the waters be divided from the dry land. And as he said those things, it happened. So the word of God is just as good as the outward uh, manifestation of what it is that we're waiting on. So faith, again, is faith, in the spoken word of god that we have heard in our heart uh, or that he has spoken to us through his word and so that allows us to attach to that word and we have faith in that word because we know that the lord speaks something has to happen it may not happen as quick as we wanted it to happen or as quick as we felt like it should happen uh, but when god said something the the universe has no choice but to give up what it is that god spoke into existence so genuine faith Will produce a real change in your conduct and in your character. Uh, Faith changes conduct in a way that, in the same way uh, or in a similar way that an actual manifestation does. Let's say that again. Faith, real faith, changes our conduct in a way that, uh, in the same way that an actual manifestation does. So when we really have faith in God, when we've heard a word from God, when we've got faith in something, then it changes our. Our, it changes the way that we act. it changes our conduct it changes uh, our character it changes the way that we carry ourselves. Um, when uh, uh, I give a, I give an example she's not here tonight but maybe she'll hear this later but sister sister Tiffany she's on her uh, on her uh, honeymoon right now her and her husband and sister Tiffany didn't wait until she got married to start telling people that she was taken. You know, if a man came up to her trying to talk to her, she didn't have to be married in order to say, I'm taken, or, or in order to say, uh, I am not available, right? Because she had faith in the fact that she was going to have a wedding, and now she has. She had faith in the fact that even though she wasn't married yet, she knew that it was coming. So, what did faith do? What did faith in her now husband do? Uh, believing that he was going to stand there at that altar with her this past Sunday and they were going to be wed, What did Faith in the situation do? It changed her conduct. It changed her character. It changed his conduct. It changed his character. He didn't wait until he said, I do, to start telling people that he was taken. But they weren't married. They were technically, uh, for all intents and purposes, still single until this past Sunday. But because of the faith that they had in what was going to happen it changed the way that they operated they didn't wait until uh until the date got there they started to operate in a mindset of what was coming as opposed to a mindset of what has been okay so i hope you're still uh with me so far and and everybody is uh is picking up what i'm putting down okay um so Here is a question for you to ponder then, based on what we just said. Going back over it real quick, genuine faith produces real change in a person's conduct and character. Faith changes conduct in a way that an actual manifestation does. Now, here's the question for you to ponder. Are my actions contradicting my faith? Or is my conduct in contradiction to my confession? Are my actions, the things that I'm doing, contradicting what I say my faith is in. I say my faith is in God. I say I believe that God is going to do this, but I'm worried. Why am I praying and worrying? Why am I saying I'm in faith, but then I'm still worried? If I know that God is going to supply all my needs according to his riches and glory, then why am I tripping? Just because my circumstances dictate uh, what would what, what look like I should be having a bad day. If I'm actually in faith, then then. I should be operating as though I already have it or as though things are already uh, well in my life, even when something seems like it is out of whack, right? So, and and I'm not saying, you know, of course, none of us are perfect and we're going to talk about challenges to faith. But what I'm saying is that as, as, as people of God, you know, when something happens, yes, we may be devastated. Yes, we may be taken back a little bit. But what we should always fall back on is that God is going to take care of it not God is going to take care of it. And, and even more, even, even just as much, almost he's given us the ability sometimes to do some things because of the miracle of our minds, the miracle of our own brains that he has given us. So I'm not going to, I I might, I might have, I might have my moment, but I'm going to snap back. My baseline is going to be faith. My baseline is going to be positivity. My baseline is going to be, everything is going to be all right. So I have to ask myself, then when something bad happens to me or when something goes awry in my life are my actions are my statements the things that i'm saying the way that i'm acting the things that i'm doing is it contradicting faith or is it in line with faith uh and and it and as stated in another way is my conduct in contradiction to my confession so i'm saying everything's gonna be okay but i'm worried i'm saying i know that 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 uh this failure isn't final but, but I'm treating it like it is. I, I don't know how I'm going to do this. I don't know how I'm going to pay this car note. I don't know how these bills are going to be paid. I don't know how uh, whatever it is that's going on in my life is going to be okay. I don't know how I'm going to live without this relationship that I lost. I don't know how I'm going to do it. Well, I'm saying that, but then I'm claiming to still believe God. But am I still believing God? Am I still believing in the power of God? Am I still believing in the power that God has given me to surmount any challenge that comes my way? Um, or am I actually just saying that and, 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 and confessing that, but my conduct is contradicting it, okay? And, and if we have conduct that's contradicting what we say, or conduct that's contradicting our, our confession or our faith, then we've got to deal with that. So he says in James 1 and 2, my brother count it all joy when you fall into divers or many kinds of temptations. Consider um each and everything this is what that's saying consider each and everything pleasure as soon as you fall in and become surrounded enclosed, encircled and and bound by a variety of trials uh and and it's interesting that word actually means rainbow just all different types of colors everything that's going on of trials uh of things going on in your life And, and that word trials uh has a connotation of an enticement to sin. Now watch this. We've heard this scripture, it said, My brother encountered all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. And then we think temptation, oh, sin. He's talking about sin. And it's right, but but let's but let's take a moment with this. He says, Count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Well, what he's talking about, he's not just talking about sin from the standpoint that we think of sin, he's talking about a broad, broad category of sin this enticement to sin that he's talking about when he's talking about temptations here is a trial of anything anything that comes against you that tempts you not to trust in god anything that comes against you that tempts you not to trust in god so this enticement to sin that he's talking about here he's not saying um, you know count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptation and then he's just talking about sexual sins Count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations and he's just talking about uh, hatred or backbiting. No, he's saying anything that happens in your life that is tempting you to not trust in God. Because truthfully, all sin is, all sin is is a lack of faith in God. That's that's what sin is at its most basic level. We're not counting on God to meet our needs. And you can literally take any sin and plug and play it there. Any sin is, is rooted in, a lack of trust in God, a lack of faith in God. We don't look at God. We don't look for God to meet our needs. We want to do it on our own. We want to do it ourselves. We don't see him as the God of all comfort. We don't see him as the God that can help us through. So we're worried about money. We're stressed out. It's a lack of faith in God even sexual sins, not not counting on God to be able to uh, meet your needs or sustain you until you get with the person that he intends for you to be with. So so when we're talking about temptation, we're talking about it at a broad level. We're talking about anything that comes against us, that that gets us to a place where we want to take matters into our own hands and not have to trust in God, okay? Um, any time that we are, and I guess I should qualify that by saying want to take matters into our own hands, things that we shouldn't be taking into our own hands. Because there are some things that God is calling for us to do through his, through the power that he has given us. Uh, but but when we get to a place where we're like, well, I just got to do this myself, then that is when we are in sin. Because again, the definition of that is a lack of trust in God. So uh, verse one in uh, chapter one, verse three says, knowing that the testing of your faith worketh patience. He says, uh essentially what he's saying here, he says, learn to know that through being tested with regards to your belief and conviction that Jesus is your savior in all things you achieve so that you have unshakable faith. And I'm sorry, I probably read that too fast. It's just that's just what I deduced the scripture down to verses one and three, saying that the testing of your faith worketh patience. And he's just saying, learn how to know that through being tested with regards to your belief and conviction that Jesus is your savior in all things you will achieve unshakable faith so you're going to get to this unshakable faith okay why i mean how because uh it's going to be through being tempted it's going to be being through uh the enemy coming against you again a rubber band that is not stretched is not a trustworthy rubber 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 band i heard uh somebody say once they were listening to listening to this uh particular preacher that had said that uh that um him and his wife had never been in a fight. And I heard another preacher say, you know, well, I don't want to be around when they do. He said, you know, me and my wife have had plenty of fights. And he said, but our relationship is stronger for it because we learned how to fight. Uh, whereas if you've never been in a fight, we really don't know what's gonna happen when you, if you do one day get into an argument. Uh because and, and again, just relating that back, what it's saying is that our faith is tested through trials. We don't know if we have strong faith if we've never been through anything. Okay, so he says this is how our faith is is perfected. Verse one and four again says, but let patience have her perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, that you may be an entire person wanting nothing. Okay, so what he's saying to what he's saying here, that word, that word, let patience and have patience or have her perfect work. That word in the uh, in the Greek is echo, or echo. And it means to be bonded to. So he says, be be bound to patience until uh, patience uh, has had her perfect work. So you be bound, you cling to it until it is full grown and matured. You cling to patience until you feel like you don't need anything else. What is he saying here? He's saying patience, clinging to patience means to be content. Okay. You get to a place where you say, sometimes things don't go my way. You know, sometimes in this world, things that happen, the shootings and the things on yesterday at the elementary school, sometimes I don't understand it, but I'm clinging to this patience until God does something. I'm clinging to this contentment. I'm going to continue to pray. I'm going to continue to seek the Lord and see what I need to do. But until he allows something to change, if it's out of my realm of being able to change it, I'm going to have patience until he allows it to change. Cling to patience until you are content being patient. So in other words, don't wait until you get what you prayed for to have peace. Don't wait until you get what you prayed for to have joy. Wait until you're content with simply waiting. We're going to wait until we're content with simply waiting. So that you too, he says, can be mature and free from sin, lacking nothing, wanting nothing. So this is kind of tough though, right? I mean, if you really think about it, this is not like an easy word to swallow. You know, it'd be a lot easier if I told you that, uh, you know, go through your trials because on the third day, just like how he rose, you know, you coming out of it. Uh, But the truth of it is that sometimes we don't know exactly when we're coming out of it, but we've got to learn how to wait so that we're not waiting for something to be over or something to be done to have joy or waiting for something to be over to have peace, you'll spend all your life waiting. And and when that is up, it'll be something else. So that's why you see people in this world that have been through crazy things and still have joy. And people have been through half as much and always miserable. Because it's the way you wait. It's the way you make up your mind to wait. And you'll be surprised when you get to that point where you say, well, I'm gonna do everything that I can do. But if it's something that only God can do, then I'm going to wait and I'm going to wait with patience while I'm doing everything that I can do. I'm going to wait with patience. That is where joy comes from. Moving on to verse five, it says, if any of you, this almost seems like it's unrelated, uh, but we're going to pull it all back together. It says in the next verse, it says, if any of you lack wisdom, James one and five, let him ask of God that give it to all men liberally and abraded not and it shall be given him. I'm going to read that again. Uh, this time, I'm going to read that one in uh, the NLT, verse number five. It says, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. That's what it means for, to abrade it not. He will not rebuke you for asking. He gives liberally to all. So he says, if you lack, for whatever reason, wisdom. And, and wisdom is to use knowledge in very diverse matters, Okay. It's the use that word wisdom in the Greek means the use of knowledge in very diverse matters and does not chastise you for not having it. So he said, if any of you lack wisdom, God will give it to you and will not chastise you for not having it. You'll receive it. So when you come and ask God for wisdom, he ain't going to say, you just now asking me for wisdom. You've been saved all these years. You ought to have some wisdom by now. He said, no, I'm not going to chastise you for asking I just want you to come to me. I want you to ask for wisdom. Now, again, how is this related? Now, he was just talking about, you know, when you go through, go through with patience and let patience have its perfect work so you can be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. And then he says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that give it to all men liberally and and won't chastise you for asking, and it'll be given to you. And it just seems like that verse is out of place. But look at this. He says, so if any of you lack wisdom he says ask me and i'm going to give it to you and again i gave you a key there of how it's related to the prior verse the word wisdom in the greek means use of knowledge in very diverse matters what did he say just a couple verses up count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations various temptations a rainbow of temptations and then now he comes down here and says If any of you lack wisdom, if any of you lack the ability to apply knowledge, to apply good knowledge to various different trials is what he's essentially saying here. If any of you lack the ability to apply good knowledge to a variety of different trials, let him ask of God who gives to all men liberally and doesn't chastise them for asking. So it answers the questions of verse two, three, and four well, how do I get this joy when I fall into diverse temptations? How do I count it all joy? How do I know that the testing of my faith is working patience? It don't feel good. Uh, How do I let patience have its perfect work so I can be perfect and complete and and, and and lacking nothing? How do I have a good attitude about a bad situation? He says, wisdom. You do it through wisdom. And how do you do that? You do it by asking God for it. God, give me The ability to apply godly knowledge to various trials, to various things that come up in my life, to all of the the vicissitudes of life that I go through. Give me the knowledge, give me the ability to to apply godly knowledge to that situation. And then that is what's going to cause us to be in a situation uh, where we are able to count it all joy because He has given us the ability to apply godly knowledge to negative situations. Let's just take a moment here and let's just pray uh, about that. Lord, we come before you right now, God. We ask you, Lord Jesus, as you said in your word, Father, you told us to do this. You said that if we lack wisdom, that we are to ask you for it. God, you said that you will give us wisdom, oh God, and you won't chastise us for just now asking. God, we should have prayed Longer ago for wisdom, we should have prayed more often for wisdom. God, we should, have, it should be a part of our daily prayer. But God, we thank you that you said you won't chastise us for asking. So we come boldly before the throne of grace. And God, we ask you to give us your knowledge, to give us godly knowledge, godly understanding on how to handle various trials that come up in our life. How to deal with the vicissitudes of life, God, the things that we go through, the things we weren't expecting, God, the things we knew were coming. God, give us wisdom, Lord, that even on our job, even around our friends, even around our family, they'll be able to see that there's a difference about us because we have a wisdom going into things. When everybody else is freaking out, God, we're calm. When everybody else is throwing in the towel, we're saying, I know exactly how this is going to turn out because you have given us wisdom. You have given us godly knowledge applied to natural circumstances so that things that seem insurmountable for so many people are not insurmountable for your children. God, we give you praise, we give you honor, and we give you glory. And God, just like the next verse says, we ask in faith. Why? Because you told us to ask for it. Why would you lead us down a a trail of asking for wisdom if you didn't want to give it? And so, God, we ask you in faith, not wavering, because we know that's how we will receive from you. And I pray this prayer, God, under everybody, under the sound of my voice, God, that you give us wisdom in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. All right, let's go to the next verse, Uh, uh, James 1 and 6. And it says, uh, let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wave, he that wavereth is like a wave. <laughs> For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. So he says here, nothing wavering. That word nothing wavering, it means to separate. It says to be at variance with oneself. We call this in psychology cognitive dissonance. Okay. There's a part of you that believes and there's a part of you that doesn't. Wavering, it's moving back and forth. So, what you are saying, and it, this goes back up to what he was talking about before, when we were talking about um, about how you know we want to make sure that our conduct is 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 matching what our confession is. Uh, and so that's what he's saying here. He says, "Let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. If you want the ability to deal with the vicissitudes and the trials and the struggles of life, you got to ask in faith, like we just did in our prayer, nothing wavering." Because you know wavering, cognitive dissonance, uh, as they call it, it brings so much stress. It brings so much stress to have a difference between what you believe and what you do will bring so much stress into your life. You've got to align those things together because when, when you don't align them together, you wave back and forth. That causes so much stress. That causes so much frustration because you're in faith, you're out of faith. You're in faith, you're out of faith. Wavering means to separate. So we've separated, literally, that's the literal, nothing wavering literally means to separate in the Greek. So we have separated our mind Uh, from our actions. And now our actions are dictating back to our minds. So we say we believe, but we're not acting like we believe. We say we believe, but we're not thinking like we believe. And we're just back and forth. We're just wavering, just wavering back and forth. So it means to separate, to be at variance with oneself, to hesitate or or to doubt. And he says that that person that's wavering, they're going to be tossed. A person's mind wavers between hope and fear, between doing and not doing. Okay, so let, let's just look at what waves are. I looked up uh, what causes waves when you're talking about waves in the ocean. And waves uh, located on the ocean surface are commonly caused by wind transferring its energy to the water. So, wind transfers its energy to the water, and that's what causes the tide. Okay, real good for surfing, not so good for your mindset. Okay, so it, it, the wind transfers its energy to the water. And big waves or what they call swells uh, can travel over very long distances. A wave size depends on wind speed, wind duration and the area over which the wind is blowing. They call that the fetch. So a wave size depends on the wind speed, the wind duration and the area over which the wind is blowing, okay? So water has no choice but to move with the wind, no choice. So hurricanes are really not an issue or a fault of water because water is weak. Water is going to take the path of least resistance. It has to do with what the wind tells it to do. The wind tells the water to come out of where it's supposed to be. The wind acts upon the water, okay? And it does what the wind, the water does what the wind tells it. It is further further relegated by temperature. And this is how hurricanes are formed. and, And they dissipate and form based upon weather conditions and wind. So what does all that mean? The wind is like the circumstances of life. The wind are are, are, are the things that come against you, the things that challenge you, the things that wanna take you out of faith. What what happened, uh, and, and I didn't even have this in my notes, but it just came to me when Peter was walking on the water, the Bible says that he's walking on the water, he's walking in faith, he's got his eyes on Jesus. And then all of a sudden there's some wind that comes up. And he starts paying attention to the storm that's around him, takes his eyes off Jesus and begins to sink. That's what happens when we take our eyes off God. That's what happens when we take our eyes off of the positive things that are going on in our life and allow ourselves to sink into the negative things, allow ourselves to sink into the fear. We're not thinking about God. We're thinking about fear. We're not thinking about faith. We're thinking about fear. We're not thinking about how God is going to work it out and how things have worked out before. We're thinking about the worst case scenario and how bad things can get. That is the wind of life that moves upon the water. But we are not like water. We're not weak like water. We're not going to allow the outward circumstances of life to move upon us and cause hurricanes in our life. We're not going to allow that. I am not water. (laughs) I am not weak. I have the power, the water has no power, but to do what the wind tells it to do. But you've got to have some strength that's, hot, that's that's. you've got to have some wherewithal in you that's better than water. You can't allow just the things of life and the winds of life and the, and the waves of life, like Peter did, to cause you to take your eyes off of where your eyes should be focused. And that's how you fall out of faith, is you fall out of focus. You fall out of focus. And he says, that person that we talked about in verse 6, that person that he says, uh, asking in faith, not wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. That person, he says in verse 7, for let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. Anything. Now watch this. This is what I love. It doesn't actually mean anything. He says, let not that person think he shall receive anything of the Lord. That's not actually what it's saying. And this is what I love about the Greek and and the Hebrew when you're talking about the Old Testament. It's not saying let him, this doesn't say for let not that man think he shall receive anything of the Lord. It says, let not that man think that he shall receive any certain thing of the Lord, any certain thing. So, So we know that someone without faith still benefits from the blessings of God. But when you're talking about certain things that you're waiting on, you got to wait in faith. You got to have faith and be focused on the direction that you're going in, the thing that you are after. He says that if you want that certain thing, now you can get any old blessings, you can have some leftover blessings, you can have you know um, um, just enough to get by. but if you've got the faith to believe God, if you've got the mindset to believe God for something in particular, then you got to have faith because you can't can't receive something in particular from God going back and forth. I believe him, I don't believe him. I might get it, I might not get it. If you want something certain, then you've got to set your sights on something certain. You got to believe for something certain. You got to write down something certain and believe that God is going to give you what it is that you asked him for. He says in verse eight, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Or in other words, a man who is divided in his interest is unstable, unbalanced, uneven, wobbly, unsteady, insecure, unpredictable in his thinking, in his feelings, and in his deciding. That's a double-minded man. He shouldn't think that he's going to receive anything of the Lord. He's unstable in all of his ways. Don't let him think that he's going to receive any certain thing from the Lord. You don't, you don't set your sights again. You can go through life and, 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 you know, kind of find a little job here and find a little job there. But if you've got a plan to be a doctor, you got to set a plan and you got to have some faith that I'm going to do this. And then I'm going to do this. And then I'm going to do this. And then I'm going to apply to med school. And I'm going to do this. You, if you want something certain, If you're believing God for something in particular, you can't do that wavering. You got to stay the course. You got to move forward in that thing. You got to do what you know you got to do to make that thing come to pass. When you're double-minded, you're unstable in all your ways, you'll never get anything certain. You'll never get anything magnificent from God. You'll only get just the leftover stuff that you end up coming into because you're too unstable. You're too uncertain. You're too unbalanced. I'm gonna go to school, I ain't gonna go to school. I'm gonna start a business, I ain't gonna start a business. I'm gonna work today. I ain't gonna work today. Unpredictable in his thinking, unpredictable in his feelings, unpredictable in what he decides to do. Okay. So that man is not gonna receive anything of the Lord. But if you want wisdom, if you want something certain, you want something magnificent from God, you got to remain in faith. You got to remain in wisdom so that when trials and tests come against you, you got to be in a place or even when trials and tests come against you, that you are still in a place of wisdom and you say, this failure is not final. That's wisdom. You know, failure comes and you say, woe is me. I just ain't never gonna make it. Here, capping it again. I thought I was doing good. And then here it come. I saved a little money and I lost my job. I'm so tired of this. If it ain't one thing, it's another. I stopped saying that. I stopped saying if it ain't one thing, it's another. I don't like to talk like that anymore because that's the kind of thing you're inviting into your life. You're just complaining. No, I'm going to remain in faith. I'm going to remain in wisdom. Something bad happens. God got a plan for that. Something bad happens. What can I do to mitigate what's going on here? I am headed for something better. I believe that I'm going to have a better ladder than I had a former. And because I believe that I'm going to stay in faith. Wisdom allows me to stay in faith. If you don't have wisdom, ask God for it. He said he'll give it to you, okay? The scripture tells us in Romans 8:28 for we know that all things work together for the good of them who love God, for them that are called according to his purpose. He says for you that are invited. That's what the word, that's what the word called means, kletos in the Greek, and it means to be invited. We know that all things work together for the good of them that love God, to them who are invited according to his purpose. That So we're going to move into, because we have been invited by God to participate in his purpose. We, 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 we can have our own purposes, but, but if we really want all that God has for us, then we're going to pursue his purpose, because his purpose is going to be what's best for us as well. Okay. Now we're actually going to end here in just a moment, but I want, I want to give you the place to start besides asking for wisdom. Where do we start when we're talking about faith? How do we get started in this faith walk? Yes, we pray for wisdom, but then the other thing that we need to do, let's go to Matthew 17 and 19 through 20. And this is where we'll end for the night. Unless there are questions or comments, Matthew chapter 17, verse 19 through 20. And he's talking to the disciples here because uh, they were trying to do some things. They were trying to uh, cast the demon out of a boy and they couldn't cast him out. And he said, I brought him to your disciples and they couldn't cure him. And so then Jesus answered and said, oh, faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring the boy to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of him and the child was cured from that very hour. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? And Jesus said in verse 20, So Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, because of your lack of faith, he says, for assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you, okay? So what are we talking about here? He's saying it starts small. It starts small. Have faith like a mustard seed. Have faith in the smaller areas of your life and build faith just like you would build a muscle. And just begin to have more faith, and more faith, and more faith. And and the real way, honestly, that we have faith um, is is um, well. There, there's a few ways, and I kind of wrote some down here, some notes that I had. Uh, what what our faith really is, our faith has to do with what our focus is on. So if you want to have faith in positive things, you do that from reading you know, the word of God, but also other positive, you know, other positive things. Uh, Of course, nothing that's against the word of God, but but there's a lot of things out there that are good positive things to read about finances and money and how to manage uh, life. You know, those things are good. Read those kind of things. That's the kind of stuff that's going to help you keep your focus positive, keep your focus in faith instead of fear. It's what you're reading, what you're listening to, what you're speaking, and the thoughts that you're meditating on. That's really all faith is what you're reading, what you're listening to, what you're speaking out of your mouth, and what you're meditating on. Reading, listening, speaking, and meditating. We can't help the thoughts sometimes that that flash through our minds, but we can help the ones that we meditate on. And how do we help the thoughts that even flash through our mind to be more positive? From what we read, from what we meditate on, uh, from what we're listening to, and from what we're speaking out of our mouth.
0: Amen. We pray that today's message has been a blessing and makes an eternal impact on your life. Come join us live on Sunday at 12.45 p.m. Central Time. If you're in the St. Louis metro area, we meet at 1060 Chambers Road, a little over a mile south on Bell Fountain Road from Highway 270. You can also join us via Zoom. The login number is 314-720-8880. You can call that same number to reach someone on our ministry team or text the word connect there to be in the know regarding upcoming events. Again, that number is 314-720-8880. We are Relationship Church. Come grow with us.